so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring, a he- bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down to the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not of their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated for four hundred years, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they'll come out with great possessions." You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back. For the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give you this land. Just a wonderful portion of Scripture. There are many such portions of Scripture where where people encounter God in this amazing way. If we have a look at Moses in the burning bush, there are many instances where where people have direct encounters. And we have to have a look at it. It's always interesting. When we encounter God, usually the first thing the Lord says is, do not be afraid. That's the first word of encouragement. Do not be afraid. And he says, I am your shield, your very great reward. Why is he saying that? Well, Abraham had just had, a, had been involved in some battles and won the battles and had turned down the plunder which was usually the reward. When you, in those days, when you, when you went to war and you beat the opposition, you took all their possessions, their, their, their cattle and their, and their gold and, and everything that became yours. But Abraham said no, he wasn't going to do that because he wanted everything to come from the Lord. And so, Abraham, who is he? I mean, I think we first meet Abraham in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12. He's living in Ur. 
and he has this, this encounter with the Lord, and the Lord says, get out. Get out of your country. Get out of your, get, a, get out of your people. Get out of your family. Leave. Leave everything that you're familiar with. Where to? The land that I will show you. And so Abraham went, not knowing where he went. He also got told that he would be a great nation. And that someone would come from his nation that would bring blessings to all people. And that their nation would be a blessing to all people. So the thing, key things that Abraham needed, he needed an heir, he needed a son, and he needed a place. A piece of land. Land is important. We see what's happening in the, in the world, wide, wide world that we live in, and in, in South Africa, the grab for land. God promised Abraham a land. Then in Genesis chapter 17, he meets... Again, God meets him again, and uh, he's been waiting for this promise for 25 years, and the sun hasn't shown up, the air hasn't shown up. I don't know about you, but often it's with me, if I've prayed, and it's, if it's two weeks, and, or a month, and the, it hasn't been answered, I start getting a bit panicky. 25 years. And he's still waiting for a child to be born. He's now 99. And his wife is 90. And he's complaining to the Lord. He's, he's like a real person, this Abraham. I love him. Because he, he, he kind of, he, he doubts a little bit. He, he, he doesn't always get it right. He messes it up occasionally. But when he's chatting with the Lord, and, and the Lord says, you know, says, well, how, how am I going to have a child? And the Lord just says, is that a problem? Is that a problem to me? Stand on the promise. And eventually he has the, he has the child, and Genesis 22, he gets told this, um, this bizarre thing to go and do. He has the promise. This is the, my future. My son and my heir. And he gets told to go up to the, go up to the mountain and sacrifice his son. Someone has portrayed Abraham's life like this. I don't know where Tim Keller got this from. He said, this is what, this is what God said. God says, I'm going to send you out. Abraham says, where? God says, I'll tell you later. Just do it. God says, I will give you a land. Abraham says, Where? God says, I'll tell you later, just wander. God says, I will give you a child. Abraham says, how? God says, I'll tell you later, just wait. Finally, God sends a child and God says to Abraham, kill your son. Abraham says, why? God says, I'll tell you later, just walk up the mountain, take the knife. Abraham lived this big life. The father of faith. He lived this big life, but he was normal. He was like you and I. He faced unbelievable circumstances, difficult circumstances, hard circumstances. But he managed to 
overcome those circumstances. I don't know what about you, but are you facing some disillusionment? Are you facing some disappointment? Are you facing some contradictions, some things not working out as you think they should do? That's the life of Abraham. He, he faced that on, on, on an ongoing basis. And yet somehow, he believed God. Verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. It's the one thing to believe in the Lord. It's the one thing to know the Scriptures and, and, and know, be able to quote the Scriptures backwards. And, but it's another thing to believe in them and to trust them, to trust in Jesus. That's where the rubber hits the road. You and I, many of us here, have been walking with Jesus for a very long time. And we need to, we need to let it drop the... I'm talking to myself, sorry. <laughs> it needs to drop from my head to my heart. That the Lord, and we look back at our past 20, 30, 40 years of walking with Jesus, and you'll see that He's never let us down. He's always been faithful. And so we can believe in Him. He trusted in the promises, no matter what the circumstances. just want to turn to Hebrews. Chapter 6. I'm going to read it a bit in from verse 18. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, have, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We may be greatly encouraged because of the hope that is offered to you and I. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, firm and secure. We have an anchor for our soul. As I shared this in the, in the prayer meeting this morning, Greg said, Bill Johnson said, that, that anchor is a bit like a ball and a chain. Wherever you go, you have a ball and a chain with you, and it's causing, bringing hope. It's bringing hope. It's, the, it's called hope. You and I have hope. You believe that? Do you, do you, as you're going into the year, do you have hope? Do you have hope for, for uh, what's, what the Lord is going to do in your life through you? He's going as to, as we were sharing last week, He's going to make us more like Jesus. We're going to be more like Jesus. At the end of 2016, we're going to be more like Jesus. We're going to be conformed to the image. I don't know what the circumstances are going to be. I don't know what you and I are going to face. But I do know that you and I face it with Jesus. And if we face it with Jesus, then He is our hope. Then it's, uh, in a sense, a walk in the park. So we have, this, we have this anchor, this anchor for our souls. Abraham, what did he do? He took the promises of God as an anchor for his, for his soul. Even, even, I mean, if you have a look at it, even sometimes he a little bit doubted. And the Lord didn't pound him and say, oh God, how long do I have to put up with you? How long are you going to... Oh, did you not get it? And, he, and he, always, he always encouraged him. And this is one of those instances. You know, we need our anchor to go down into something solid. don't know if anybody done any fishing out in the, uh, out in the bay or out, probably better more out in the sea. 
if you, you, if you put your anchor down and it doesn't reach the bottom, it doesn't make any difference. And you will get taken by every tide and every wind that comes. If your anchor of your soul is not in Jesus, is not in the promises of God, and not in the hope of God, then we are going to be like ships just drifting and we'll crash against rocks and, and, and it'll, be, it'll, it'll be a disaster. So put our anchor in Jesus. So, verse 8. I'm still in Hebrews, sorry, in Genesis, chapter 15, verse 8. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So he's querying, how, how, can, I, how can I know? And this is what the Lord says to him. He says something very strange. He says, bring a heifer, a goat, a ram, turtle dove, pigeons. What's going on? Abraham was, lived in a society in a time. He understood exactly what, what the Lord was saying. He understood that the Lord was going to make covenant with him. And that's what they used to do in, the, in, in those days when they made covenant with each other. You know, when I do weddings on a Saturday, and uh, I say to the, the, the couple always, say the vows to each other, for, be, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to honor in the Lord, till death us do part, according to God's holy law, and this is my solemn vow. These are vows that they are saying, they are making covenant together. And, uh, well, how do we know that they're going to uphold their ends of, the, of, the, of that covenant? How do we know that? Well, then they sign, they sign the book. And in the book, that's what they're saying that they're going to do. And it's just quite easy. You just take out a, a beautiful pen that Neil Holly makes, and black ink, and you just sign. That's how we make contracts today. That's how we, we, uh, we, you come to a commissioner oath, and he signs, he signs with you. But in those days, when they signed a covenant, it was quite a graphic thing. There was dead animals. Uh, our kind of way of doing it is very wimpish. And uh, what would happen is the two parties making a covenant would walk between the dead animals. And what they were saying was if they in any way broke the covenant their lives would be like those dead animals. So it was very graphic. It was very powerful uh, to, to do that. And so when uh, the Lord tells Abraham that he's got he's to go and get the, the heifer and the ram and the turtle dove, and the, uh, he understands that the Lord is going to make covenant with him. And uh, in verse 12, he actually, what he does, he goes into a deep sleep. And uh, darkness came over him. And, 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 the, and the Lord spoke to him in, and said, you know, your descendants will be exiles. They'll be afflicted for 400 years. And uh, he, he explained the, the covenant, that he would be a great nation, etc., etc. And, and how did he make this covenant? In verse 
17. When the sun had set, darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. This is the gospel. This is the most amazing uh, thing of uh, picture of the gospel. When you and I look at making a contract, we probably find that there's two, particularly with God, there's two problems that we have. The first problem to living confidently in the contract that, that the Lord has made with us, the new covenant that He has made with us, there's probably two uh, problems that we face. The first is where Abraham was. How can I know that these great things are going to happen? How can I trust your promises? How can I trust your promises? Sometimes we, we doubt the Scriptures. And so what the Lord does is He walks through the dead animals and He makes covenant. Do you know what he's actually saying to Abraham? What he's saying is, I have promised to bless you and bring salvation to the world, and if I don't do what I say I'm, I am, if I don't do, do what I say, then this is what is gonna, can happen to me. My immutability would experience mutation. My immortality would experience mortality. My infinity would suffer limitation. May my power suffer powerlessness. May I be cut off. May I be destroyed. May my body be ripped to pieces. This is what God is saying. This is what He's saying. That's amazing. Our only response to that is, wow, and to fall on our face and worship our King. And that's what happened to Jesus. God sent His only begotten Son and He died on the cross and it became dark and His flesh was torn and, 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 and He died. That you and I might live and have life in its fullness. So, let's learn to live a big life because of what Jesus has done for us. But the other problem we have, or maybe not we, maybe I, maybe I have, sometimes as we look at this, particularly before we before we're born again, before we know Jesus, is we don't think we're going to be we're going to be able to live up to our side of the bargain. We know ourselves. We know ourselves outside of Jesus. We know that that, that we, we'll, we'll probably let God down. We'll mess up. You'll eventually, we'll say these things, you'll eventually get tired of me, of me messing up. After the 50th time you've let him down, you think, oh, the, the Lord's going to say, oh, I've had enough with him. God's grace is always there for us. And so, how does God deal with this, this problem? This problem of, of ourselves. All the covenants in the, 
in the Old Testament, usually two people, the people signing the, con- the, the covenant, making covenant, cutting covenant, would walk through the animals. But that didn't happen here. What happened? Abraham was put to sleep to get out of the way. Because what he would do, if he was in the way, he would mess it up. He would come with plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and he would, he would you know, that, that's, that, that's the nature of humanity, is to mess it up. And so God put him to, put him to sleep, and only he went through. So he was saying, I will take responsibility for you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that God's grace? That, that in actual fact, he comes and he comes and he lives in you. So the life you and I now, 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 now live, we only, we only need to live in the power of Jesus. Because he has made covenant. He is going to get us to the end of the road. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And I find that very reassuring that God is going to get me to the end of the road. And He's going to change me from glory to glory on the, on the way. And my purpose will be fulfilled. My destiny will be fulfilled to be conformed into His image. Because He's going to do it. And whatever the circumstances, it doesn't matter what happens. He's going to get you and I to that point. All the problems you and I have, it's because really because we do not trust what it says here. And so my prayer is that the Lord would, as I read the Scriptures, he would, I would have His view of Scriptures, His view of the Old Testament. Jesus quoted the Old Testament. His view of it. His view of what it says about me. His, he says, I am holy, I am righteous. That's what the Scriptures say about you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then He... you've taken on His righteousness. You've exchanged uh, your sin for His righteousness. And so we need our anchor to go deep into Him. Do you know why you're worried? Because we don't trust His wisdom. Do Do you know why you get bitter and angry? You don't trust His justice. People get away with a lot this side of heaven. But let me tell you, they're not according to Scripture. Do you know why we disobey God? Because sometimes we don't trust Him. We feel we're going to miss out. And we're not going to miss out. The more, if we seek God's kingdom, there's a Scripture from last week, last week, if we seek God's kingdom and His righteousness, what does it say? Everything will be added unto to you. Everything. Everything. Abundance, fullness, life. Everything we need. So why do we get so panicky? Even Abraham and, and, and we have Tom, Thomas, doubting Thomas. We, we, can, we can actually almost come, come to, to, to the cross today and we can say, ah, I believe, help my unbelief. So coming to God coming to Him humbly, realizing that, that He's got it. We've sung it all, all today. He's got it all in His hands. He's got your life and my life in His hands. Don't get sidetracked by peripherals. You've got to go to the gospel. You have to go to Jesus. See what Jesus did. See 
how wonderful, he, how wonderful He is, how much He did for you and I. And when you encounter Jesus personally, when your anchor goes down deeper, it doesn't matter what circumstances you face, because you and I are going to have a reward which is great. Jesus is our reward. Get the anchor down. Get the anchor down. So be encouraged this morning. I want to close. I don't know whether you've got a song that we can, that we can end with. But I, if maybe if we can stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your covenant that you made with us, that you made for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, and we ask that we would step into that, that we would walk in that, and we come and we say thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are our reward. You are a great reward. Everything we have, we have is because of you. And so we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We turn to you. Just say these words. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my King. You are my great reward. I'm going to walk. I'm going to choose today to walk with you. That you might walk in me. And I will bring a blessing to wherever I go. Whether it's to the workplace, whether it's to the factory, whether it's to the, the schoolroom, wherever it is. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. Amen.